Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's a weekly podcast where we get together and we talk about the movies we've seen over the past week. I'm Nick Pronto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? Going all right. That's great. You? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Uh, we both have seen some movies this week, and I guess Which we're going to talk about them. Indeed. Uh, what did you What did you see? I watched Jumanji, what, Return to the... Jeez, I don't even know now. <laughs> Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Uh-huh. I think is the subtitle. Um, yeah, with uh, Jack Black and The Rock and... Uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart and someone named Karen Gillan, who I've never seen in it before. Oh, she's in uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, isn't she? Doesn't she play Nebula, the blue girl? Oh, is she? I think. Okay. I could be making that up. Well, we'll come back to her, but I'll say this much. I like her. I um I watched two movies. I watched uh, The Boys from Brazil uh, from 1978. Okay. And and I watched another movie called As, Be- uh, As Above, So Below from 2014. I've never heard of that either. Why don't, uh, why don't we start with The Boys from Brazil? Do it. Because... Because I loved this movie. I thought this movie was great. Yeah. Uh, It's from 1978, directed by Franklin J. Schaffner, who also directed the original Planet of the Apes movie, Patton and Papillon. It stars Laurence Olivier and Gregory Peck. And uh, it was great. I loved it. It was so much fun. It's like a 1970s spy thriller kind of a movie. But uh, it tells the story of a once famous Nazi war criminal hunter uh, who's who's played by Laurence Olivier. And it's uh, the later years of the 70s. Uh, and he finds himself struggling to find the support to find to do what he's been doing since the end of World War II, which is hunting down Nazi war criminals. He was like responsible for bringing in some of the most famous work Nazis that like fled Germany and went all over the world. Um, this movie isn't based on a true story. Just, just so that that's clear, um, it has like some some basis in reality, but for the most part, uh, this guy doesn't exist. He was responsible for uh, the capture of this one Nazi woman who appears in the movie, who like strangled young girls with their own hair, and uh, yeah, so it's like that kind of a uplifting movie. But anyway, the movie starts with Steve Gutenberg, which which was weird because it's young steve gutenberg and he looks ripped so steve gutenberg that's that's hard to imagine like yeah. a jacked steve gutenberg and it's and he's like so young too so like the movie's like the movie starts with him and you're like is that steve gutenberg it can't be steve gutenberg it's 1978 but it's him it's him so it starts with steve gutenberg in paraguay following men he suspects to be Nazis in hiding. He gets in touch with Laurence Olivier, and Laurence Olivier responds with, of course there are Nazis in Paraguay, and basically dismisses him. But Steve Gutenberg is unswayed, and he eventually follows the Nazis to a huge gathering of Nazis. It's here we're introduced to Gregory Peck, who plays the real-life Nazi, uh, Dr. Joseph Mengele, who, according to uh, Wikipedia, was referred to as the Angel of Death from the uh, concentration camps that he worked at. I don't know which ones he was at, but Mengele was a real guy who was really wanted during this time period. So so the investigators are sort of a fictitious sort of combination of people, but the folks they're hunting are actually real people. Yes. Okay. Mengele has been living in, I'm not entirely sure. I want to say Paraguay because that's where this is, but I guess it could be Brazil, uh, which would work with the title, but it's not very clear as to where Mengele's uh, hideout is. Anyway, so Gutenberg, he follows them to this large meeting uh, where, where Mengele is. He starts recording the meeting with a tape recorder and Gregory Peck says, He's their leader, and Gregory Peck says it's time to set in motion the acts that will bring about the return of the Fourth Reich. 
And to do this, it involves the assassinations of 94, 65-year-old men all over the world. And uh, at this point, Gutenberg gets discovered and he has to run. And he runs and he makes a phone call to Laurence Olivier. And while he's on the phone with him, he plays the tape stating what Gregory Peck was saying. And then like moments later, Gregory Peck shows up and kills Steve Gutenberg. Oh. Yeah. Spoiler alert on this movie, by the way. Yeah, this 40-year-old movie. <laughs> yeah. This 40-year-old movie uh, I'm going to spoil the hell out of because because the the, the major twist the major twist is too good to not spoil. But uh, if, <laughs> okay. if you want to watch The Boys from Brazil, it's a highly recommend for me. It was great. Continuing continuing on. So, like, Olivier doesn't really understand what's going on, but he starts investigating. And it, it's ridiculous because he has to go to a newspaper. And- Wait, how far into the movie are you at the point that Gutenberg... Because Gutenberg's the protagonist up to the point that he's killed, right? Right. And it's... Uh, it's probably maybe 15, 20 minutes, if if that. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. And so uh, Laurence Olivier contacts his friend that works at a newspaper, and he says, I need to know about the deaths of 65-year-old men all over the world. And the guy at the newspaper's like, 65-year-old men die all the time. And Olivier's That's like... a pretty good point. Yeah, Olivier's like, I know, but... I need to I need to look into this. So he starts investigating and he goes to visit the widows of these 65-year-old men at one of the places that he goes to. There's a young teenage boy uh who has stark blue eyes. He's playing he's holding on to a clarinet and he's a total jerk. The kid's a total jerk. And uh he speaks to <laughs> he, he speaks as signified by the clarinet. Yeah. Uh, he speaks to the kid's mother, and he comes to the conclusion that the boy was adopted, the father was abusive, and the mother is is a doting mother and is spoiling the boy. All right, so All right. so Olivier's like, well, I don't really know why I'm here, so I guess I'll go out. Then he joins up with an old friend of Steve Gutenberg's, and they begin to tag team like more houses, like trying to f- figure out what the Nazis um, are doing. Yes, not just a phrasing. <laughs> Um, (laughs) all right. So then like not too long after Olivier comes across another family with the child who looks exactly like the boy from before. And again, in this situation, the father was abusive and the mother is spoiling the child. Wait, is the, is the, is the twist going to be that the child is her son and her brother? Nope. That's not the twist. Oh, okay. It's not that the was twist. Like a Chinatown thing. So like it's it the boy looks exactly the same and the situation's exactly the same with the abusive father and the the spoiling mother. Now at this point the Nazis are starting to get worried about the Nazi hunter guy. Gregory Peck is adamant that the plan must continue because they spent so much time and effort to get to this point and they must continue. Meanwhile, more and more assassinations are happening and Gregory Peck has this giant board with all these men's names on it and he's crossing them off with red paint then olivier continues his manhunt or his his hunt and at one point meets up with the actress rosemary harris who you may recall played peter parker's aunt may in the original spider-man movie Uh, i remember her praying loudly um but she's uh much younger in this in this movie and she looks exactly like meryl streep today to the point to the point where it's like is that meryl streep i I was really confused for a moment i could kind of see that like imagining their two faces right now and going could she look could meryl streep look like that when she's old and i'd say yes yeah totally it would totally work like if there was a rosemary harris movie meryl streep should play rosemary harris oh i think you just pitched something yeah so like rosemary harris also has a boy who looks exactly like that other kid who's a bit of a jerk is interested in the arts and no uh, no i know you said that the 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 bad guys in this the nazis are actual people is this plot supposed to be something that actually happened no no it's oh, okay. not okay uh, sorry continue <laughs> sorry to interrupt <laughs> no no it's it's fine i love the questions so olivier comes to find that all of these boys have been adopted to specific families with specific uh, apparently something terrible has happened upstairs because all of my children are crying 
And only I can hear it. <laughs> I can hear it too. Well, I mean, yeah. And you. So the listeners are like, what is he talking about? Yeah. It's mysterious. So he learns that all these boys have been adopted and it's been handled by another Nazi war criminal that he was uh, he was captured about. And he learns about the the plan to get these boys all over the world, like what where all these boys are going. So then he goes to visit this scientist to try and figure out how all of these boys are twins and triplets and whatnot. And the scientist begins to explain how cloning works. Cloning. And they, oh, right, because that wasn't like something everyone knew about back then. Right. Gotcha. And they take, they take a moment to show us this film strip. And all I could think while the film strip is running is how great it would be if, if Mr. DNA from Jurassic Park was, was on screen describing what was happening. And then you find out that they happen in the same universe. Right, yeah. <laughs> Olivier- Jurassic Park 6. Olivier walks Nazi adaptions. Olivier Olivier walks away from from the film strip, and he's like holding his head low, and he's like, "Oh my god, I f- I figured out what's happening. I figured out who could the Nazis be trying to clone. What could the entire scheme all be about? And can you guess? Tons of Hitlers. Hitler. It's Hitler. Tons of Hitlers. The okay. Nazis. The Nazis were able to clone. 94 different Hitlers and placed them all over the world into family situations that were similar to Hitler's as a child with the abusive father, an older and abusive father, a young doting mother. He's into the arts. And so then at this point, our globe trotting adventure comes to its climax in the world famous Lancaster, Pennsylvania. <laughs> 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 like the site of all movie climax yeah it's a uh, it goes from like all these these like we go from paraguay to to germany to new york city to boston and then like the next scene is like a horse and buggy with the Amish riding across the street it was great <laughs> uh so gregory peck arrives at the home of one of the boys and he's there because the nazis believe that the plan is falling apart because of the work of Lawrence olivier and they have shut down his program, but Gregory Peck is pissed and wants to continue the program. And so he goes to Lancaster just as Lawrence Olivier is going to show up. And uh, Gregory Peck kills the father of the boy and waits for Olivier to show up uh, for a showdown. And when the two meet, they begin to fight each other. And uh, I don't know if you remember the episode of Family Guy where the old creepy man, uh, I, don't, I want to say Jasper, but I feel like that's his dog. Is it Herbert? Yeah. Herbert and an old Nazi fight each other. Yes. And it like it's like two old men fighting each other real slow and they can't. Yes. Right. I, I recall that. I imagine that this was the inspiration for that scene. Oh, okay. Because it's two old men. Like one is an old Nazi and the other one is an, just an old man. And they're just fighting over a gun, trying to get to a gun first. But. Mm-hmm. It's very compelling. It's very it's very exciting scene to watch. Um but uh eventually eventually the fight ends. The kid comes kid Hitler comes home and uh Gregory Peck gives him this rousing speech about the man he is destined to become and the kid who is is a jerk figures out that Gregory Peck killed his father and he sicks these uh, Doberman pinchers on his onto Gregory Peck killing him. And it was at this point that my daughter woke up. She was sleeping the whole movie and woke up just in time to see these dogs attack Gregory Peck. So uh, that was great. Uh, that was great. Oh, now she's scared of dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Gregory Peck dies and uh, the movie kind of leaves you with this moral, this moral question, which is, uh, do you go after the Hitler clones? Do you kill the boys? Do you kill these boys before they've even done anything? Will he really grow up to become a new Hitler? Will the world that is already forgetting the atrocities of the Nazis of World War II and the Nazis uh, even care about something like this? So it's kind of a, an interesting moral question at the end of the movie. Um but uh, it's an exciting and taut 1970s political thriller. I highly recommend it. It was great. All right. I'll check it out sometime. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. Hmm. And the, the, you, you suspect the Hitler clones like early on. You're like, but is it sure. really? And then when they confirm it with the Hitler clones, you're like, Hitler clones! And, the, and this kid that, the, that plays young Hitler, I don't have his name offhand, 
Um, but I think this was the only movie he was in. He's such a prick. (laughs) It's, (laughs) It's like, it's like, and if they killed these kids, you'd be like, oh, good. They got rid of that jackass kid. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess they wouldn't want to portray him as being too, uh, uh, too, too likable. Yeah. So like when, uh, when, when the kid comes home after the fight with Gregory Peck and, uh, Lawrence Olivier, he, he's a, this, this version of Hitler is really into photography. And so he just starts taking artsy pictures of everything. But his uh-huh. pictures, he's like really into his photography, but the pictures aren't very good. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like how Hitler was really into art. Like he, he wanted to go to art school, but he wasn't a very good artist. Uh-huh. So it's, it's interesting. And so like the kid earlier in the movie was really into his clarinet, but he wasn't very good at playing clarinet. Huh. See, and I think it might make an interesting story if it, if it were a Hitler clone who knew all about Hitler and viewed him the way most of us do and then were to discover like oh i am hitler what do i do well yeah that's an interesting thought too well you know i'll check it out and i i I, uh i'll be interested in doing so because i don't think i've ever actually seen anything with Lawrence olivier in it oh yeah yeah i actually have no idea who he what he even looks like oh yeah he's really good in this movie I've only seen okay. a couple of movies with him with him in it, and like one of them was Lawrence of Arabia, which is an eight-hour-long movie that is really boring. It's a boring-ass movie. It's eight hours long. No, it just feels like it. Oh, it's beautifully shot. It's it's like a gorgeous movie, but it is so boring. Skip that one then. Yeah, <laughs> but the boys from Brazil. Is cool. But then again, I seem to recall you saying that it, it, boring is enjoyment to you. N- I don't think so. so. Yeah, that was actually uh, last episode. Was it really? Okay. Yeah. Well, you were talking about how Avengers two. No, it wasn't Avengers two. Thor two. Oh, Thor two. You're like, oh yeah. yeah, Thor two is real boring. I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, yeah, boys. Uh, what did you say? It's boys of Brazil. The boys from Brazil. The boys from Brazil. And uh, here's a fun fact that I got from the IMDb trivia for the movie is that uh, the character that Gregory Peck plays, the Joseph Mengele, who was a real Nazi, was really hiding out in Brazil. And after the movie came out, he was captured and then later uh, he later died. Fun last part, I would have guessed. Fun. Yeah. (laughs) Fun. Fun fact. Okay. Nazi fun facts. Well, all right, then. Yeah. But it's it's good to to see in, in especially in today's day and age that you know the Nazis were bad and it wasn't like something that you could dance around. Right? Yeah, it's not like anyone's going like, yeah, no, they're they're fine people. They're you know they're, they're fine people on both sides of this argument. You're yeah. like, no, no, Nazis suck. Nazis Nazis bad. It's a black and white issue. It's Nazis bad. Yeah. I mean, like like Barack Obama said, it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard to say that Nazis are bad people. All right. So you saw... I saw uh, Jumanji something, 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 the jungle. Welcome to the jungle. So this movie was... It, it was pretty much as I think both of us had heard. It's enjoyable, and it's it's not great, but it's fun. Um, and it's better than a lot of stuff that's come out. So, so the idea, you know, most people are familiar with the old movie Jumanji, and hopefully, a lot of people know the book because the book's actually really good. It's based on a book. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jumanji was a a really good children's book. No way, I had um, no idea. Yeah, way better than that crappy movie that I think is crappy. You didn't like the Robin Williams movie? I didn't. No, I didn't think it was very good at all. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. A lot of people do. Um, <laughs> I, I would suggest getting your hands on the book. Since you already like the movie, I don't think it would affect you know how you what you think of the the old Robin Williams movie. But um, but yeah, I, I didn't really care for that. And so you know that ver- in that version, the game's a board game, and uh, you know people get sucked into it, and they get it kind of in that movie things kind of happen bit by bit. Like, as you're playing the game or as these annoying kids are playing the game, 
jungle animals start popping up in their house and whatnot. Uh-huh. This has a different take on things because, you know, it's updated. So the Jumanji box updates itself with technology. And so it's the same box, but some guy finds it in the sand, takes it like instantly is like, oh, my God, a box with a game in it. I have to take this home and give it to my kid. Uh-huh. And then the kid gets it, and it's 1996, and he's like, why would I play a board game? Nobody does that. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to like 2018 when board games are huge again and really expensive. But anyway, uh, at the time, I guess, 1996 is all about video games. So the box starts making some noise. The kid opens up the box, and instead of a game inside that's a board game, it's a... Well, it's kind of like a cartridge. I never had one of these, so I'm not quite sure that's what it's what it is. But I think it looks like a cartridge for like an N64. Okay. Um, oh, so it's kind of like it takes place in the past. It does not. It does not. It starts out there, and you know, spoiler alert on Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. It's it. It's kind of like the other Jumanji movie where there's. Now I don't think in the book anyone was sent back in time and people are sent into Jumanji and got stuck there. But in the first movie, Robin Williams character goes into the game and gets stuck there for like, I don't know, a couple decades. Yeah. He's like there for like 30 years or something. Yeah. So this movie does that too, where this kid gets sucked into the game in 1996 and then, f- with no explanation, unless I blinked, the the game ends up at a school in their, like, I don't know. These kids get sent to detention, and for some reason, they're, they're like, in a closet. Like, some sort of room that's like, here's where we store the AV equipment, or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, and for some reason, that I... I mean, seriously, I, I, I would have had to, like, get really distracted to miss it, I think. They, I don't think they explain at all why it's there. So these four kids get sent to detention for whatever various reasons that fit with their character quirks. One's a nerd, and he helped this other guy cheat on, like, a paper. Uh-huh. One girl's really self-obsessed with, like, her, you know, taking selfies and stuff like that. Um, and she, you know, gets in trouble for being on the phone in class and mouthing off. And another one gets in trouble for, it's a girl, too. She gets in trouble for not wanting to participate in gym class. I don't know. I just saw this, like, 12 hours ago. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't remember. <laughs> but they, get, they all get sent to detention. There's supposed to be some backstory between the two guys. They used to be friends once upon a time, but then... The one got real popular and played sports, and the other one turned into a real nerd, and nobody likes him because, for some reason, movies haven't picked up on that. Like being a nerd is no longer a bad thing, <laughs> you know. The these four kids, the game starts making noise, and they're like, "Oh, look, a game! Let's play it while we're in detention in this closet thing." The game then sucks them into Jumanji. So after this little like breakfast club moment, these kids get sent into the game, and uh, they run into that guy uh, Taika Watiti. Oh, really? I'm saying the same right? Yeah, he and he plays sort of like the the NPC that explains things in a game, and and it's here. It's once they're actually in the game that things start to pick up. I, w- I want to say like the game itself, or the setting, or whatever the jungle stuff does nothing. Like it, it, for for all the wonder or whatever that you enjoyed from Jumanji the original movie or if you knew about it the book this is very different because that's not the case it's not like them being in the jungle is actually fun it's all about the interaction with the people yeah um and I don't know if that's intentional like there's a lot of stuff that's pretty uninspired like the the setting and the animals and the action I actually think is is could have been punched up really well. Like there's some stuff where this one girl's sort of dance fighting and they're playing really chill music. I don't remember what the song is and it could have really worked. It could have been a lot better, but that stuff's not really done well in this film. It's not, it's not that fun as far as adventure goes, but the people are doing a really good job. You know, the rock is actually showing up and he is playing the, the nerd kid who's been turned into you know the rock is the avatar so when he goes into the video game he turns into the rock and 
So he does a really good job at like, you know, I mean, the rock's huge and built and everything, but he's pretending he's surprised to be in this like massive body uh-huh. that's like good at everything. And, and he's, he's doing a really good job. And Kevin Hart, I, I've honestly never seen Kevin Hart in anything. Right. I, I knew of him, but I'd never like seen his stand up. I'd never seen any movies with him. And I kind of got the feeling that if I were to watch a movie in which he was the main character, it would wear on me a bit. Yeah. But it everything's really well balanced in this movie. So like he's fun. He's really into it. You can really tell that everyone in the movie's having a good time. Uh-huh. If 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 I were to hear a story that this movie had like a real production issue and like people didn't like being on the set, I'd be shocked. Because it's it's all they all share the screen really well. There's a lot of interaction between the Rock and Kevin Hart, and they've got really good chemistry. Mm-hmm. And Jack Black is the the girl who's really obsessed with her looks and stuff. She the turns into one. Jack Black, yeah. And then the quote unquote nerdy girl turns into Karen Gillan, which I looked up, and you're correct. She is Nebula, and I never would have guessed that because like her face just looks like it's shaped completely differently. But anyway. Okay. But I like Nebula, too. So I'm going to give two thumbs up to Karen Gillan. And she and Jack Black do really well together, too. They have a lot of interaction. And and Jack Black, I mean, like, I've gotten to the point where I'm usually turned off by the idea of him being in something. But he's he's killing it in this movie. He, he was a lot of fun. Really? Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the interaction between the two of them, like, because he's playing a girl, <laughs> he's like... There's a point where he's trying to teach the other girl how to like be sexy. So you've got like Jack Black <laughs> trying to teach this really attractive woman to be sexy, and it works. It's pretty funny. And then uh, Karen Gillan's really good at just seeming really awkward. Like I don't know how to do this, uh-huh. even amidst like you know being in a gorgeous woman. So so it's a lot of fun. Within the the plot of it, it's it's pretty loose. Like it's hey, get this stone to a jaguar's eye, and then you will have saved Jumanji. Uh-huh. And there are bad guys who are trying to chase them throughout the movie. They really don't matter that much. The main bad guy, I don't even think you ever learn his. There are some weird things that don't really make sense, like the the. It's well established that the people they're interacting with are NPCs. Yeah. Like they'll repeat lines and you know, like if you if you're playing Skyrim or something and you click A after the person's already talked, they just go back through the same dialogue. Uh-huh. You see that sort of stuff happen. And yet there are some scenes where you're like you're seeing the bad guys interact with each other without the characters around. Yeah. So that's kind of strange because you know, like a video game doesn't really exist outside of the characters doing yeah. their thing. Um, but it, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't take away anything. It's just odd. It would be, It would have been cool if the other characters were more interesting. Like if the bad guy was in any way threatening or got to interact with the characters more. Because honestly, they don't even actually, I think, make like face-to-face contact until the last minute and then they there's not really that great of a confrontation for the heroes to win Mm -hmm. so and and this movie could use this stuff to be better because it is actually like two full hours long so and it does it does start to drag a little bit just just because it is so long and there's enough going on that's not the characters interacting with each other that it can be like all right to the rock and and Kevin Hart having a funny interaction or something. Mm-hmm. The stuff that's supposed to be a little bit more, I don't know, like teen movie inspirational sort of stuff. It's it's kind of in there, I guess, gratuitously or by necessity that they like give each other a pep talk like, oh, no, you're more than just a shallow, you know, cheerleader. And, oh, no, you're more that you're like at one point the rock or the nerd says to the guy who was his friend once and then got cool and totally tried to blow him off. At one point he says to him that he's a good friend and it makes no sense Uh whatsoever. Like the guy's been an asshole the whole time. Right. Um, And there's like, there are a handful of pep talks 
Allow me to recite one to you. Okay. You can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And you watch the character go. I can <laughs> like just go from being like down and intimidated to being like awesome. <laughs> I'm great. And and like all four of them I think have one of those things where they're like, "Oh, I'm down on myself for something." And someone says like one quick thing and they're like, "Wow, that really motivated me." And you know, it's kind of like the the crappy action and stuff where I'm like it's not that good. Uh-huh. But it doesn't really matter. It doesn't doesn't take that much out of it, right? Um, and because everyone's having fun, it's it doesn't feel like it. It, it, it almost feels like the movie's going like, "Look, you knew we had to throw this in there, right?" So we're not going to belabor it. We're not going to make the speech real long or anything like that. It's not going to get very touching. Mm-hmm. And again, it it would have worked perfectly if the movie were about twenty minutes shorter. So yeah, I, I, that's that's kind of it. There's not a whole lot more to say about it. It's a well-balanced use of of actors and characters who are pretty well-written. At least their dialogue is well-written. and Or specifically, their dialogue is well-written. And and performed really well. Like, after seeing Skyscraper Man, I was really... I was not super stoked to watch this. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it just... there. I, I was going to try to go see something in the theater, but that... Uh, Royale movie doesn't actually come out as as early as I thought it did. I think it's coming out like next weekend. What movie? So there wasn't Bad Night at the a Bad Time at the El Royale. Oh, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I told you about it in the last episode. <laughs> uh, it's a preview. I saw a preview for it. Where oh man, it's just gonna go. It's gonna sound like we're repeating the episode. The guy that was in Iron Man. Oh, who Jeff was the bad guy? Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jeff yeah, Bridges yeah, yeah, Chris yeah. Pine. Bunch of people. I remember now. Yeah. So I was hoping to go see that, but uh, but it's not it's not out yet. And then like that Operation Finale. Speaking of Nazi movies, is already coming gone from the theater. So yeah. there's just nothing I really wanted to see. And so I was like, all right, well, what will I watch at home? And in spite of wanting to just watch some more Westworld, because I've watched a couple episodes of that lately. I'm, I'm kind of digging that show. I instead watched this, and I don't know why I'm telling you about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah, I wasn't too stoked about it because you know The Rock, right. uh, having been so you know just not in it in right. uh, Skyscraper, uh, it was really really fun to see him like it, 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 to to do a good job of this like nerdy character. And to be even like when he very first shows up, because he also gets to like do the rock stuff. When he first shows up, he does that eyebrow thing that the rock used to do. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that eyebrow thing. Uh-huh. All right, cool. Maybe the rock's having some fun here. And he totally is. So, unlike the skyscraper where he just looks tired. Yeah. Or he's just like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. You know, if you were to tell me that movie had a production problem, I'd be like, of course it did. Everybody looks like they're miserable to be there, except for Nev Taylor. Nev Taylor? Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, you know, if you're just looking for some cheesy fun, check it out. You know, you've got kids. I'd say it's probably, it's pretty kid friendly. There there are uh, one or two things here or there. I'm like, that's a kind of a weird note for a movie that's uh, seems geared towards kids like i think at some point oh yeah kevin hart's drunk and it's a little strange but i mean it's not like it's nothing offensive or anything like that so okay check it out if you got the time okay cool have some fun well that brings us to our third movie of the day uh and i watched this movie called as above so below and i liked it I liked it a lot. It's from 2014. It's a found footage movie. The premise is there's a guy making a documentary about a Perdita Weeks character whose name is Scarlet, and it's her quest to find the Philosopher's Stone. Now, you'll find this next part interesting. Uh, the movie was written and directed by John Eric Dowdell, who also wrote and directed Quarantine, which is a oh. movie I do not care for, but you will passionately defend. 
I thought it was pretty good. I, I hated it. <laughs> I I did I if I remember correctly, I liked the movie it was based on a bit more. Uh and that's Rec R E C. Uh-huh. There's the the Spanish, I believe, Spanish version of it. Oh, I didn't realize Quarantine was a remake. Oh yeah. Yeah, you should. there's a, some of it's pretty much there are moments that are shot for shot and then there's other stuff that's like it's been twisted or changed a bit. I'd say Rex's better and it's got some sequels that are decent too. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I did not like Quarantine. <laughs> 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 but this movie I did like. So uh the movie starts out it's kind of like a Tomb Raider slash Indiana Jones kind of adventure. Uh, and it takes place in the catacombs beneath Paris. Fun fact, the movie was actually filmed in the catacombs beneath Paris. It was the first movie to receive permission to do so. And really? the, the setting is perfect. It really works really well. So I'm amazed because that's a, you know, when you, when you say uh, found footage, I just automatically think low budget. And I wouldn't expect a low budget movie to get that sort of permission. Yeah, no, this movie looks great. Like for for a found footage movie, like it was definitely shot with like real cameras, and then they start then like halfway through the movie, he like the director, the director guy, gives everybody like these little headlamps that have cameras on them, so that's how they're able to like get cutaways and coverage and stuff. But it's it's a found footage movie that is shot basically like a real movie. Like I said, the movie takes place in Paris, and the first half of the film really flies by quickly. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, uh, I really spent the whole time, like I was like, I said to my wife a couple of times, like, I'm really enjoying this movie, but I'm waiting for it to start to suck. Like, like it's because at some point this has to all fall apart. And uh, and while the movie does have its few, it does have a few issues here and there. They never become too distracting to the movie as a whole. So the movie gathers all the main characters together, and they begin their quest underground to find the philosopher's stone. There's the movie. I, I don't want to spoil too much about the the movie because I, I want you to see it. But um, there's a lot of ridiculous riddle riddle solving, like. 1960s batman kind of riddler puzzle <laughs> solvings where okay. where they'll be well they'll say something like oh the wings of the the wings on our back or something like that and then they'll like reverse engineer an answer to it and, and you're like there's no way anyone would ever get this answer <laughs> wings wings are like parts of birds birds lay eggs what are eggs? The hope for humanity. Yeah. The United Nations. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's like a there's like a bunch of that. And uh, according to the IMDb trivia, uh much of the plot of this movie is is based on Dante's Inferno, which I have never read. But uh, after watching the movie and then reading the trivia, which breaks down like the different chapters in Dante's Inferno, I was like, "Oh wow, that's that's pretty interesting. That's 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 a neat little twist on on the whole thing." So the first half of the movie is this fun adventure movie, and then about halfway through that, it turns into porn. A, what's that? Porn. No, that's a different movie. And uh, but about halfway through, it turns into a straight up horror movie, and the transition oh. is perfect. It's great. There are a couple really, really effective jump scares. One in particular caused me to jump in my chair and yell. My wife says that I yelled first, but I think it was her that yelled first. That and that's what made me made me yell. But either way, we both yelled. We both yelled and jumped because the movie scared us. <laughs> okay i'm interested in seeing this now because when you said as above so below i was like you know there's something that in my mind just says it's, it's like it, it gave me the sort of feel of like bone tomahawk uh-huh and i was like eh, i'm not in the mood for that sort of thing right now i'm gonna watch something else yeah and then as you're describing it i'm like oh searching out the philosopher's stone that's that's not what I was expecting. And then you're like, well, it takes this real turn and turns into a horror movie. I'm like, well, now we're back to Bone Tomahawk again, but I want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a fun movie. It's setting and visual effects are really effective. Uh, and the movie also has great sound design. So like they're down in these caves for the whole movie and, and the sound is never bad. And like, there's a lot of like creepy stuff going on. Uh, the sound design is just perfect. And uh, that's that's almost really all I have to say about it. Uh, it's a fun movie 
with the stupid puzzles to solve, some top-notch jump scares, and uh, it's a fun story, and you want to see how it ends. When the movie was over, I was like, man, I would love a sequel with these characters going after another, going on another treasure hunt. Total recommend. Check out As Above, So Below. Was this ever released in theaters? I don't know. I'd never heard of it before last night when Netflix recommended it to me. Well, that answers my other question, which was, how did you end up watching it? Yeah. The Netflix. All right. It was uh, it was totally cool. A lot of cool visual stuff where you're like, ooh, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be very disappointed if, yeah. if, I don't, if I watch this movie and don't hear myself say that at some point. There's a few parts in the movie where, where you start thinking about it, where you're like, this is dumb. Why is this happening? Or, or you start overthinking the movie and the main character should, is basically looking at – all the cameras are first person. So like it's basically the main characters looking right at the camera saying, we need to stop talking and just keep moving. We just have to keep moving forward. Okay. That's the only way we're going to get through this movie. <laughs> and they're talking right to the audience. Right. Just don't think about it. Don't think about it. it. Don't think about it too much. We're just going to keep moving. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was fun. It was a fun movie. All right. Yeah. Check it out. Well, Matt. Do. That's that's it for the the movies we have. We have some time to kill. Would you like to play a round of Jill versus Superman, Dawn of Batman? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. So, uh, listeners, if you don't know, uh, we're gonna play a little game where Matt and I put two different, two seemingly different movies up against each other, and we'll see which one wins. For instance, uh, what did we do in the past? We did uh, Ocean's oh, we did Eleven versus Tombstone Fight versus Club. 310 to Yuma. Yeah. Ocean's Eleven versus Fight Club, right? Yeah. How about, have you ever seen LA Confidential? Of course. All right. So how about LA Confidential and American Beauty? Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, with, with all the sexual assault stuff going on in the world why not do a movie versus movie with kevin spacey being yeah. the link between the two of them right you know what let's not <laughs> let's move on uh let's see here how about how about this the nice guys versus baby driver oh okay and i don't even know what the link is there atmosphere i guess just crime there we go and damn it, Kevin Spacey's in that too. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Spacey's in Baby Driver. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's go with the nice guys. What's the nice guys got? We got Ryan Gosling and... Russell Crowe. Uh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, who's, who's like cool Russell Crowe again. He's not like a jerk Russell Crowe. Well, yeah, and I think you go... I went into the movie kind of expecting... Um, Expecting him to be sort of the the loose cannon uh-huh. and uh, Ryan Gosling to be the straight man. Yeah. And it is not the case at all. Like, like Russell Crowe is, he is tough, but he's like, he's, he's more on the straight and narrow. Whereas like uh, Ryan Gosling is just whacked out. Right. Um, and kind of like neurotic and, and, irresponsible and stuff yeah but funny i don't like ryan gosling like i I don't hate him or anything but i'd never seen him in anything where i was like i like this guy until i saw that movie and i was like man he's he's really enjoyable in this and the two of them together have really good chemistry yeah i i only saw the nice guys the one time and it's been a long time um i'm having trouble remembering it but uh i agree like i i i want to say i fell in love with ryan gosling uh, after I saw Drive, I really liked Drive a lot. Mm, okay. and, I never uh, saw that one. Uh, Drive is cool. Uh, That's what I hear. I hear it's 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 pretty uh, it's pretty unique. Yeah, it's there's not a lot of dialogue in it, and and the music. If you don't like the music, you're not gonna like the movie. And I love the music. Uh, it was like '80s synth, basically, but like modern '80s synth, and uh, like a retro. Yeah, and I loved it. But uh, I remember seeing this movie, and I remember liking Ryan Gosling in it, and and more importantly, I liked Russell Crowe in it because a lot of stuff Russell Crowe is in, I'm like, Russell Crowe is terrible. Yeah, he's been picking some bad projects for the yeah. last decade and a half. 
or he's forcing himself in the movies he doesn't belong in, like Les Mis or Robles, where <laughs> where he had no business being in that movie. Well, that movie sucked. Well, see, I like the movie. I just didn't <laughs> like Russell Crowe. Like I didn't Russell- like. I didn't like anything about that movie. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, no, nothing. Yeah. I like the show Les Mis. I like the music from Les Mis, but I did not enjoy that movie at all. Okay. But yeah, I know Russell Crowe, uh, not a lot of people were too happy with Russell Crowe's performance in uh, Les Miserables. Okay. So uh, so we got what's... chemistry of actors yep. in uh, in uh, The Nice Guys. The plot's kind of all over the place, so I don't know if it can get a ton of points for that. Yeah, the third uh, act, the third act of The Nice Guys is, is a mess in my A little opinion. chaotic. Yeah. But the humor's funny. Not, not. I mean, a lot of that is owed to the performance, but it's probably the writing too. So there's that. And I think that movie had some really good music too. Yeah. Okay. And then what are we putting this movie up against? I forget. Already. Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Baby Driver had excellent music. Um, yeah, that movie's all about the music. All of the characters in the movie are are good. They're good actors. But I like all of the actors in the movie. Uh, and it's got a cast of maybe six people. I I actually I, I didn't really get Jamie Foxx's performance very well. Mm-hmm. Something about it didn't work for me. I don't know. It's that like he just wasn't as menacing as the character was written, or if it was actually the character itself was written so over the top. Right. But if it falls on Jamie, shoulders, that really didn't work for me that well. Yeah. Yeah. And then John Hamm's character is pretty over the top too. Yeah. And we'll get to some issues with the third act again there, but right. um but but I thought as a playing the role, I actually thought when when John Hamm first showed up, I was like it's John Hamm. I, I and and in spite of like Mad Men, which I only watched a couple seasons of, I'm like I just think of John Hamm as kind of goofy. Yeah. But uh but I thought he did pretty well. You know, I was like, "Oh, okay, you know, as he and his girlfriend interact. I'm like, oh, actually, I, I can kind of feel him being tougher. Yeah, yeah. I also agree about the Jamie Fox thing in, in Baby Driver, where he just seems like he's trying to be overly tough for the sake of being tough. And yeah, like when I when I think of Jamie Fox, I I don't think of a tough guy. Like I was really a- aware of how Jamie Fox was acting tough. Yes. Which, yeah, you could just feel feel the acting. Yeah. And, and normally Jamie Foxx is very, very charismatic, very effortless. And in this movie, you were like, you could just feel him trying. Yeah. Which, uh, which wasn't super great. Yeah. His, his thing may just be more along the lines of charm. Yeah. Stick with that. If he were playing like a grifter or something, I feel like that would work well. Mm-hmm. Like he could do something that's crimey, but if it, it more, if it was along the lines of being like a con man or something. Right. Well, I guess what what should we talk about next? <laughs> the, I think the music. I think you got to with with Baby Driver. It's it's super music infused. Um, the yeah. action works really well with the music. I think that the, if I if I recall the story right, the the soundtrack for the movie was put together before the movie itself was. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, I think it was built around the music. Oh, okay. I mean, that opening sequence where where the music. Uh, the credits opening credits are playing with the music is just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. So which movie, which movie do you think you'd pick in the nice guys versus baby driver? Well, I think when it comes to the drawbacks, baby driver has a lot more for me. Uh-huh. The, the fun is a lot more. Well, it's, it's not more fun necessarily, but the, the music really brings you into it. It's like my heart was pumping a lot in baby driver. But the drawbacks were that like the stuff around that wasn't necessarily that great. Like the some of the scenes where they're like the girls walking around spelling baby, it's part of a song. I'm like, that's not working. Some of the style just got a little too much. The third act is whacked out and it kind of goes on forever. Right. Where you're like, oh man, John Ham just die. And then even once it all starts it seems like it's wrapped up, it's like now we're gonna talk about him going to 
spoiler alerts on Baby Driver. Yeah. Talk about him going to prison and then coming out. And I'm like, oh, God, this movie just doesn't want to end. Right. And all the action's over, so I want it to be done. Doesn't, Um, and since we're doing spoilers for, for Baby Driver, doesn't Kevin Spacey let him go? Or something oh, like yeah. that. Kevin Spacey just all of a sudden is inspired to sacrifice himself for this pipsqueak that he's been threatening and bullying around the whole movie for love. Yeah. It's fucking dumb. Yeah. So so I think I'm going to have to go with the nice guys because even though it's got some janky issues, I feel like the drawbacks on Baby Driver are enough to set it lower for me mm-hmm. um but that said i would still totally recommend people check it out it's it's a fun time yeah i think i'm gonna have to agree with you baby driver does have a few issues and and the whole end of the nice guys is a, is a mess but nice guys was written and directed by shane black and he's always got great dialogue and and interactions i think i'm gonna have to go with the nice guys too uh for the same reasons the end. The so end of for, Baby for, Driver is a mess too, with with oh, the yeah. Kevin Spacey stuff. Violent yeah, as all hell, think, but I, I think that's really the turning point where the, where the movie does like goes from being like a pretty steady like A minus to being like a B minus. Uh huh. Like where it's like Kevin Spacey does this one eighty, and then the John Hamm stuff just like. It, it, I mean, there, there's a point right where he like drives a car off a building, and then pops back up like Indiana Jones uh-huh. driving a tank off a cliff. And you're like, Oh really? Just, just die. Just be over. Right. So yeah. All right. So the new guys wins. Well, if there's a sequel to the nice guys called the new guys, <laughs> maybe it will. Uh, all right. Well, I guess, I guess that's going to end the show this week. Matt, you have anything you'd like to plug? No, not offhand, I don't. Okay. Yeah, I don't have anything I'd, I'd like to promote either. I would say go visit our website, thisweekinfilm.com, but I have not updated it in a very long time. So if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can go there and hit the Contact Us page. We'll, we'll, we'll get an email from you. But you can find us on the Facebook and the Twitter and the Instagram. We're, we're pretty active on the Instagram lately. We've been getting a lot of traction there, which is nice. Please share, rate, and review our show on, on whatever platform you listen to it on. It would help us out a lot. And I guess if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you... Next new week in film. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. See ya.